When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Unique, and welcome back to another episode of Dear Black Girl. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at UniSmiles, U-N-E-E Smiles. And you can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Dear Black Girl Pod. Now, if this is your very first time tuning into this podcast, a uh, quick breakdown, Dear Black Girl, is where black women share their stories using music. So basically, we create a playlist, and each song on a playlist represents a story from our guests, and we just talk about it. So it's super dope. So be sure to subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Uh, be sure to rate us in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening at. And also, leave a comment. Tell us your favorite episode, what you like. Also, market calendars, March 23rd to 24th, will be in Atlanta. So, we'll be in Atlanta for the Ladies in the Industry Conference. You can actually go on our Instagram at Ladies in the Industry to find out more about this conference, which is going to be super dope. All right, so now back to Dear Black Girl. Today's guest is I am Chelsea. I am for short Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. And she's an artist and a songwriter. And yeah, tell us about yourself. Okay, so um from Cincinnati, Ohio. I've been in New York for a number of years now. And uh I just I just love music. I just love lyrics and yeah, it's just always been a part of my life. I grew up in church. And I've played, like, a, a bunch of different instruments, but guitar seems to be sticking. <laughs> what made you move from Cincinnati to New York? There's not much to do as far... I mean, you can do <laughs> music there, but it's, like, not... It's not New York. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Ohio. <laughs> so, like, was it, like, school or just you being like, all right, I need to, like, go to where the music is? It was def- It was school. Um, I had an internship here mm-hmm. and just never left. Like, where, where was your internship at? Uh, my internship at the time was at Sony. Okay. Yeah. And you just never left. Like, you just said, Mom, not but coming back not home. Not coming back. <laughs> it's a wrap. Like, <laughs> what were your parents' reaction when you said, I'm not coming back? I mean, I was done with school. They didn't really care. <laughs> it was like, okay, like, they're all, I don't know, like, every time I go home, it's always like, oh, like, when are you moving back? It's, I'm, I'm like, I'm not. Like, it's like, I'm here for visiting. Like, I go through that too because I'm originally from Maryland, and my oh. friends always go, when are you moving back? I was like, I mean, when I have, like, kids i might move back but until then i don't know right yeah and then my mom tried to hit me with the so you stay in new york forever and i'm like no i'm not gonna stay here forever <laughs> i don't see myself as an old lady living in new york it seems hard <laughs> yes when I, especially when you see them on the subway and i'm just like she should be living like in florida somewhere. right or at least jersey like yeah something. not not here <laughs> what was it like like your first summer and year in new york because i know that's usually like the hardest year of living in new york um it was hard like you just get taught like i feel like new york is a city that like beat you up Mm -hmm. until you're like all right i get it cool like um i got scammed before what but not like scam scam but like like just basically like this dude was like oh like you have this like voice for like cartoons and like if you give x amount of like this money then like oh like the old school scam yeah i guess i don't know what old school scam is like i guess that is like i consider those old school scams like um when 
they were like, your child could be a model. Just give me this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, like that. Not, not like the computer generated. Oh, no, no, no. I'm from Brooklyn scams. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Like, like the old school, like in the in the mall, like your child could be a child yeah, star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those types of things. Uh, it was, uh, this city teaches you just like, I guess, your strengths. Like, either you have it or you don't. Like, I feel like I've had so many friends, like, come and go. And either they come back or they don't. Like, it's, it's that city. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, I've been here for almost 10 years now. Because I came here for college. Yeah. And I never went home. <laughs> See? Uh, yeah. So, all right. Let's get into, like, this first song. Um, so, Gin and Juice. Um, so, you said this, of course, your mom, this was your first song? My mom told me it was the first song I knew. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, like, I'm like, that she was, like, you had to be playing it, mom, so... Yeah. Do you believe her? Yeah. I don't see why she would, like, not tell the truth. Like, <laughs> I don't know, because some people should probably want their kids to be like, yeah, my kids group. That was their first song. Nah, no, I definitely believe her, because I grew up in church, so, okay. like, it would be no reason for her not to. <laughs> I, will, I will say Snoop Dogg was, like, one of, uh, I can't remember the song, but that's one of the most vivid music videos I ever remember, so I consider it, like, my first music video, but I just know it's the one when he turns into a dog. Everyone turns yes. into a dog. I don't remember what, which one it is, but that's the first music video I can ever remember watching. <laughs> really? Yes. I think mom, I think the, it might have been Remember the Time. Oh, Michael. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, and that, like, to this day, that's, like, one of my favorite music videos, because it's just so much going on, like, in the choreography, and he had everybody in it, like, Eddie Murphy, Shaq. Like, and it was star-studded. Yeah. He, <laughs> but that's Mike, though, like, that's dope. <laughs> so, who have been some of your musical influences? Um, Stevie Wonder, Mary J. Blige, um, like, more current, maybe, like, Eric Bellinger, um, Teddy Riley. So you have like a mixture of old school 90s R&B. Yes, 90s R&B is like my go-to. So, <laughs> so when people listen to your music, like what do what do you want them to take away from it? That you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I think I think that would be the main. I mean, it's particularly for this project that like it was it was just sort of like an exploration of like, you know, everything I had gone through and then talking to people about it, I realized like my story it's still my story, but it's not necessarily unique. Just yours. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what are some of the things you talk about? I know you talk about a breakup. I know you talk about being resilient and having strength. What else? So the the EP, A Beautiful Mess, um, it originally started out as a break breakup EP. Mm-hmm. But, like, life just, like, took a crazy left. Like, my grandfather passed away, um, stage four lung cancer, which was, of course, like, with cancer, Unfortunately, like, you sort of expect the death. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I had went home, like, helped my mom, like, plan a funeral. It was, like, crazy. I come back. Um, at the time, I'm living with my ex. And then a week later, he passes away. Ugh. Yeah. So the whole EP started off was, like, this breakup of this guy that I was living with. Not just this guy. But, like, it just turned into, like, okay, what do I do with this? Like, I feel protected but unprotected and like it's just it was just so many emotions and like how do i channel that girl there's no (laughs) there there (laughs) trust me i know it sucks yeah when you break up with someone y'all living together (laughs) especially in new york yes i'm like y'all don't want me to get away from him like 
Uh, so oh hard to God. find something like that was the thing like trying to find a place and it's like and then you just gotta stay there and like, it's just leaving. Like, and it's, it's worse because at the same time y'all you, you stay in the same bed y'all not together and someone has to move out and yeah. it's just like oof cut the tension with a knife it's crazy like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get into this next song so Pity Party that's the one that's about the breakup yes so this all inspired by your ex. How did he inspire that? Because at the time, like as I mentioned, like when when you're around somebody that you used to be with, and they're still clearly like attracted to you, they still trying to, oh, how are we gonna get this old thing? But it's like, come on, like why are we? It's like a cycle, you know what I mean? So it's like it almost turned into him almost like pitying himself, mm-hmm. and that was like me being like, I'm not, I'm not here for this, you know what I mean? Like. So I won't be at your pity party. Like, so that's where it came from. Wait, so how did you guys break up? Because this is sounding like my life right now. <laughs> well, let's talk. Let's talk. How did we break up? It was just a series of things. Like, um, he, I wanted to move forward with a lot of different things, and he didn't. Like, I feel like I had more ambition than him, and he was just stuck. But he would complain about his job and his life situation, but not want to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I can't, I can't do anything with this. Like, and then like, okay, it's the the old common story of like you cheating, you doing this, whatever, whatever. Oh, he was cheating too. Yeah, and oh. but I, it was so many things I found out also after he passed away. Wait, so he passed away? He, my ex passed away, yeah. Oh, girl, I thought you said your granddad passed away, In not your ex. Oh, my God. My grandfather passed away, then the ex passed away a week later. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, this doesn't sound like my story at all. No. Go ahead. <laughs> but it's similar. Like, oh, so my God. It, it's still, like, I still want to sort of express to people, like, the the situation might be different, but pain is pain. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you get through that pain? Regardless, it's still like a similar. Everybody has their own process, but there's like pain is like universal. So yeah, oh. <laughs> you're well, like what? <laughs> what was what was that like? Uh, it was crazy. Like even though we weren't together, me not being from New York, I still felt protected. Like at the end of the day, like I knew he had my back. Um, there was a there was an instance where I run in the mornings, like in my neighborhood. This guy. He was like his father lived in the building and he started like asking me these weird questions or whatever. Like, and my ex had to come out and like bark on him, like, yo, like, that's my girl, blah, blah, blah. Even though I wasn't his girl, but like, he's still gonna hold it down. But when he passed, I was just like, dang, I really just don't have nobody that's gonna like, you know, step to my, you know, to my rescue. But it, but it sort of taught me like, I could do that myself. You know what I mean? Like, I can hold myself down. It also taught me, I have, a very strong support system here in New York. Like, I have some very supportive friends that, like, came to my house. Like, it was a point in time, like, I felt like I couldn't leave the house. You know what I mean? Like, literally on the couch, like, just feel... Depressed. You, yeah, you depressed, like... Yeah. But literally feel paralyzed. Yeah. Like, so I'm texting my, my boy, architect, and he's like, yo, come to the movies. I'm like, man, I literally can't leave the house. And he's like, nah, we coming to you. So they would come to my house and just, like, hang out. I have another friend named James who, like, like when it first, first happened, it felt weird being alone. Like, I, I felt like my ex, I was listening for the door to open because he worked a different shift than me. And, like, just to never hear that door open. So, like, a few nights he would spend the night. Like, they just really show up. 
like sincerely and like it just it, i think when things happen to people you just learn you learn who to ride or die people are you know what i mean like mm-hmm. who's really there for you so that, that's that's really what i learned from it Jeez. <laughs> it's like i wasn't expecting this like, <laughs> well how have you learned to heal from all this oh man um my faith um it's gonna sound crazy but like just like listening to a bunch of my angelou <laughs> um oprah this is gonna sound really crazy but um judge lynn toller like <laughs> nah man like she got some she dropped some gems on divorce court you'd be like oh, shoot, that's true like nah it's um it's that like just staying close to like my word um god and just it just really shows you how strong you are because you don't have a choice mm-hmm. it's like you you either gonna make it through or you not like and you don't have a choice to not i mean you do have a choice not to make it through but like there wasn't an option for me like i just had to figure it out so so what kept you motivated music um my friends around me like a lot a lot of my friends are also like creatives or artists so we push push each other um so they they kept me motivated um and it was it was really a step by step process. Like I was I was always tell people like just push yourself to do one thing and count that as an accomplishment and then let that snowball into something else until you just get you know, now I can leave the house, now I can do this. Like Oh yeah, I know that feeling. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. Cause I went through that when my um when my stepdad passed, I just uh, not leave my house for anything and yeah. i was all the way out in long island oh my god i mean i, I left i don't even know if i left for work no wow. i didn't leave for anything yes i know that feeling yeah <laughs> it's rough and then like i think for me i wasn't sad or i didn't feel like i was gonna cry until somebody asked me if i was okay because mm-hmm. it would be the look on their face oh are you okay and it's like i, I was okay me. i was until you start talking like just talk about something else like i'm uh, like <laughs> but yeah i get it <laughs> so what is it like being a artist a musical artist in new york because i've always wondered that it's hard and you know i recently started having the thought because i have a bunch of friends in cincinnati that are doing music and they're like getting very like notable in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. like to the point where they've like been on the news and like done all these things. And it's like, am I like, is it better to be the big fish in a little pond or the little fish in a big pond? Oh, girl. So, 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 you got hype. <laughs> I did get hype. Because like, like, I just discovered like this TD Jakes podcast called the pottery like yesterday uh-huh. and i was randomly listening to this episode called like chase your dreams or dream chase i don't remember uh-huh. but basically he was telling the story about how like there was two girls um one's name with ruth and the other one was ofra or something i don't Oprah. know oh the story of Ruth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the so Bible, yeah. So basically how like she left to go to a bigger city to become you know, to become who she became and how the other person that stayed there stayed the big fish in a small pond, but, like, you can go best so far, basically. Mm-hmm. You can go best so far in your small pond, or you can just, like, you know, take that leap of faith, go somewhere where you're not where you used to be. Well, the way he put it, the way TJ's put it, you're not VIP anymore, you're second tier, you're waiting in line, where you're just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ain't the shit no more. Like you walk to the room, don't nobody know who you is. Yeah. <laughs> like, but 
that type of but that's that next level you have to get to. Wow. I need that. Hold on. I'm going to say the name of it. I've been, been having this on repeat. I need that. Dang, I needed that word. I've, been, I've had this episode on repeat. I don't all think morning. I knew that part of it. Like playing catch up with your dreams. Oh, no. That's how he interpreted it. I don't legit know uh, how the story okay, goes. Okay. Because I was like, in the story, like Ruth left her family. Like she got married and her husband died in battle. And her mother in law was like, oh, you can go back to your family, like, your man died. And she was like, no, like, I'm married into this family, like, I'm gonna hold it down. So they ended up, like, holding it down. (laughs) That's what I was like, I don't remember nothing about going to no big city, like, well, basically, in my Bible. Well, basically, Bethlehem was a big city compared to where she was from. (laughs) So Bethlehem was like the New York of the old days. (laughs) I'm going to Bethlehem. Are you sure? Can you imagine? But the way he put it, he was like, yeah, don't nobody talk about the other girl because she decided to stay where she was and not, like, expand because she was comfortable with where she was. And she, you have to make yourself uncomfortable. And, yeah, I know New York's hard because everyone wants to be an artist. Everyone wants to be on radio. Everyone wants to be a person. Everyone wants to do the same thing, which makes it, like... It's difficult. Um, I I think the thing, too, that, like, is bothersome is, like, a lot of people are like, oh... You know, other New York artists, they snakes. Like, don't nobody help each other. That's why New York music ain't this, that, and the third. Girl, they say like, that everywhere. They say that in D.C. They say that in Atlanta. They say that everywhere. It's about the company that you keep, though. Yes. Like, you got to be around the right people. You, If you're around snakes, are you a snake? Like, come on. Like, let me know. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but I don't, I don't find that. Like, I feel like I have a good group of people around me, and I try to, I try to talk to other artists. Like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Like, maybe you can try this or whatever. But everything... everything Everything don't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing. Like artists get caught up on, oh well, such and such did this. That's not your path. That's their path. Like get on your path and like keep it pushing. Like so. I feel I feel like <laughs> what it's hard for a lot of people because a lot of people they have to figure out what their path is. Yeah. And they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So like trying to figure it out in the midst of all the stuff happening around you can get confusing. Yeah. And I feel like that's what happens with a lot of them. That's true. That could happen, and you get you get discouraged in New York because like, and I think this it's like this almost. In, I talk to comedians, and it's the same thing. The whole like having to like buy tickets to to perform on stage or like buy a performance slot. Like you don't have to do certain things, and it's helpful as an artist to have other people around you that sort of done things. Like don't be intimidated by somebody that's done. Like get around those people. What's what's that saying where they're like you want to be in a room where you're like not the best or, or I forget how it you want to be in a room where you you don't want to be in a room where like you're the you're the smartest person in the room you want to be in a room yeah. where, like, where you feel like you're not exactly because yeah. you're gonna learn like the most from that room so yeah I don't know like it's it definitely like thickens your skin um and then like the other thing that I found is like people pay attention more in New York when I leave New York Mm-hmm. It's weird because like I've recently I just finished my second tour. I did um, Philly, D.C. here, of course, L.A., Toronto, Chicago. And it was like, oh, how you do this? How you do this? I'm like, I perform all the time. Like, now you want to see me? Like, OK, cool. <laughs> Fine. Like, come through. But it's it's like that. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's the idea of touring. It's like, oh, well, how's your tour? Like, yeah, you're not stagnant within the same place. Like you're out. You're doing what they want to do. So it's just like. That's probably why the questions come up. That's so people true. people pay attention when they feel like you're advancing and they're trying to figure out how to advance too. Right. 
I did not know. I, I mean, I, I learned this over time, but like mm. starting out, I didn't know that they used to have artists paying for slots, like slots for showcases. And they then, still do. And then also paying for. Oh no, I, I definitely learned that. <laughs> yeah. And then like, <laughs> and, then, and then also having them pay for. Because uh, I honestly wait the whole slot thing. I thought it was the other way around. Because it's like, but ain't you supposed to pay the artists to perform? Why they gotta pay you to perform? But whatever. I it's, guess it's, it's, the, it's the adage of like as a promoter you have to buy out the space yeah you're right. being a, so you're, you're you have to be an artist and a promoter yeah for someone else's so showcase so the promoters are always like like for example SOBs is up the block yeah yeah, you know, SOBs cost X amount of dollars and because it's a Thursday night, it costs more and you got to pay for this because I got to make sure that I make my quota for the space. And it's like, I get it. Like, as a promoter, you put your money up, but as a promoter, like, you're supposed to promote the show. I think I think it just needs to be... It needs to be more equal on both sides. Mm -hmm. Like, as an artist, you can't expect to get booked and then don't promote the show. Like, that's not fair. And as a promoter, like, how you just gonna have artists, like, paying $500 for a five-minute slot? Oh, such a... uh, Atlanta gonna be in a building. Meanwhile, it's like somebody... Like, not trying to be funny. Like, it doesn't matter your position. But, like, if it's, like, oh, they from Atlantic, but they're, like, the secretary. Or, like, oh, they do this. Like, how is this... I think we just need to be, as artists, more strategic on how we spend our money. That $500 would be going towards a YouTube ad. Or, like, a video. Or, like, music. Or your own show yeah there's that honestly <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i hope the showcase people don't come after me but i don't see the purpose oh, of the showcase too, showcases oh that's not, why because i'm a firm believer as an artist like why why invest your money to be in someone else's showcase when you can invest that money to put on your own shows well i mean showcases that don't charge Cause I have a showcase and I don't charge people to okay. perform. Like, <laughs> I okay, think it just, that's fine. I think it just depends on the purpose. Like, uh-huh. I'm not really, f- I'm not just, I'm not just really for pay to play. Like, that's, it just bothers me. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, like when I think of it, I think of like the, uh, I think of J Cole. Cause I don't know where I read the story yet, but like when J Cole was first starting out, like they, he would have like shows, but like. And shows he he'll invite his friends or whoever like listens music would show up, and the next show they'll invite their friends and more people and more people, and that's like basically how you built up his fan base and could yeah. like actually do his own shows. It's like I'm just a firm believer in just doing your own show and just promoting the hell out of it. Yeah, <laughs> especially and at the same time you're paying yourself because you're going to charge at the door. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> but yeah I, I learned that around the time when I was learning that people used to pay for blog posts which was crazy to me too that was extremely crazy to me that people would pay to get a write up for their song or their blog I didn't understand that, that on a blog I've never done it but it makes a little more sense to me because uh, you're paying it, it, if as a business if you think business wise like you're sort of paying for advertising mm-hmm <laughs> not no your, your face is like no no nah. as a music blog nah. <laughs> no that's your job to yeah. find dope music and write about it not to write not to someone pays you because here okay here's the thing because i used to vlog okay okay <laughs> talk, talk, talk. so here's the thing um you you are you can see it as advertising but like from 
a perspective of like integrity and whatnot it's just not it's not the same like you can pay someone to write about it about you and it's not going to be the same as if that person found your music fell in love with it and wrote it and wanted to promote it mm. and then at the same time as everything becomes paid to write or whatever what's the point the website's going to lose integrity like yeah. it's not going to be hard to get put up there well there's um i cannot think of the name of this website but you you buy like for allowing people to listen to it like basically you you pay coins and it like it definitely guarantees that this person is going to listen to it how do how does it guarantee it though because they have to respond and if they don't respond you get a refund oh but it's still like i didn't like that idea either it's so hard to be an artist it is hard girl (laughs) oh my god it's so really hard (laughs) i'm gonna pray for all y'all appreciate it the yeah. <laughs> there seems like there's so many scams you guys lose out on money yeah oh, it's about it you got you just gotta sort of be like i'm just investing in myself until something hits like like for real. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like i mean because I, I i thought the only thing you should like really i don't know i feel like the only thing you should really invest in is a publicist mm-hmm who will get you those placements so you're not out here like paying for placements here there and, and everywhere a manager who gets you on those tours that you need to be on or in those placements where you need to be at mm-hmm. and that's about it that's about it because i don't know if y'all have it well i mean investing in music you gotta oh, well, be good no, no, yeah and, <laughs> and of course your studio time and like yeah. but like out, the outside part the outside pieces oh and merchandise Yes. So like, so like, yes. Invest in your studio time, your engineer, your producer. Make sure you have a bomb ass one. Then a publicist that helps you get the promo you need. A manager that helps make sure you're they're actually managing and put you, putting you where you need to be. Yeah. And what was the last thing? Oh, and merch, so you can merch. make money on the side. That's what I thought that y'all all y'all had to invest in. That's all I would do if I was an artist, though. Well, I don't know. Talk to him. <laughs> because <laughs> this other stuff is just like well you also that's the thing with published publicists and managers too like you gotta find that's a, good a scam one. in itself it can be one. like yeah you have to find a good one you gotta find somebody honestly that believes in your music yeah shout out to ab but yeah because <laughs> yeah. and, and another okay so here's another thing about pr pr does not also guarantee you get placement because yeah should i used to work in pr too <laughs> <laughs> I think I worked in like almost every field in this industry, but like PR is hard because as as the publicists, they are really trying to get you placement, and they're emailing everybody, they're phone calling people, asking for favors, this and the yeah. other, trying to get you placement. So if if you have a publicist and your publicist is not turning around or they get or they got you one placement, look, it's not like it's not a scam. It's not that they're not working. It's that they're trying. It's just the shit's hard. Yeah, and. I don't know about managers, though. I ain't never been a manager. I just feel like the manager should always have everything figured out for you. So you don't got to think about that. Oof. <laughs> That's hard. So it's it's it, you have to find that manager that believes in you and sister and thinks and is very strategic. Like, if you're not strategic, your manager got to be strategic. Yeah. Honestly, even if you're not strategic, don't. Even if you are strategic, get a manager that's still strategic. You don't want one that's not. Yeah, because you still have to, like, you need somebody also to bounce ideas off of. Yes. Like, and if, like, you need somebody to be like, nah, that's trash. This is what we about to do. Like, yes. <laughs> so, that, yeah, a good, publicist, a good publicist, a good 
manager. Yeah, you just gotta have talent. Yeah, I think you, and I think, and I think that's all people really need. That's true. To make it that's true, like all this extra shit, pay, and you, you just gotta be also like. I think it's a lot about personality too. Oh yeah, you have to be you, have they a can get you, personality. They can get you to the door, but if people don't like you, then they ain't gonna mess with you. Okay. <laughs> Also very important. You have to have a likable personality because yeah. if you don't have a, you can be the most talented person in the world. But if you got a shitty personality, nah, ain't nobody gonna with fuck you. with you. I mean, like dub. <laughs> it don't matter what level you on. Ain't nobody gonna fuck with you. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right. So, song number three, Kelly Price, a friend of mine. Oh, I put this on here because. Okay, I think this, I'm pretty sure, I'm 80% sure that this is the first tape that I purchased with my own money. And I think, I listened to it, I actually listened to the whole, um, it's like a whole project recently. And I was like, dang, man, I was listening to some crazy stuff when I was little. Like, <laughs> And like, <laughs> Kelly was just like, I just remember, that was one of the first like tapes that I looked at and looked at the liner notes and like really looked at writers mm-hmm. and was like, oh, wow, like, they recorded this here, like, this is a place, and this was, what's publishing? What does that mean? Like, I think that was, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think the words were in there. This is, like, back in the the day. day. Yeah, when they used to put lyrics in it. When they put lyrics in it. So I was, like, obsessed with, like, I was just obsessed with lyrics, and that was one of the first times I actually, like, opened it and was like, wow, this is dope. I remember having, like, one blank tape, and, like, the radio station had, like, this top five or, like, this is, like, the new song of the night or whatever. And I, like, had to be home to tape it. Oh, God. And, and he had to write quiet. out the lyrics <laughs> in the notebook, like, dang, like, and just listen to it over and over. Like, but that was, I think that was the first time I really discovered, like, man, I really like words with music. <laughs> like, So what was one of the first songs you wrote? <sighs> one of the first songs I wrote probably... My grandmother, when she was alive, she she I vaguely remember this, but she said when I first started playing piano, I would write songs on the piano. I I don't even remember what they were to be honest, but um, there was a point in time where I was just writing poetry in high school, and then I got back into writing writing, probably towards the end of high school, beginning of college. So probably when I was little, probably wrote my first song, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how has your writing matured over time? Um, it's matured with, like, wisdom that you accrue. Like, I feel like with life, I don't know, like, when you play video games, how you accrue lives. Like, you accrue just knowledge of, like, ah, oh, that's that's hot. Don't do that again. You know you know how they tell little kids don't touch the stove, but, like, that one little kid touched the stove, but they know damn well, like, don't I'm not it touching again, it again because I got, got the scar. Like, <laughs> yeah. so I think just life experiences has you know shaped who i am as a writer um also listening to other people that helps a lot mm-hmm. um i feel i find the best place that i write is on the train because you always overhear something wow <laughs> and you're like dang daphne and i'm always i'm always in the notes on my phone like jotting down stuff that i hear like that sound dope i'm about to figure that out make a song like yeah so talking to other people it helps me a lot. I'm pretty talkative to other people. Too. Okay. So takeaway, Missy Elliott, that was a song that made you want to do something in music. Yes. So I would say Kelly Price was like when I was actually looking at lyrics, but to see Missy Elliott as a woman and she's credited as the producer. At one point I was like, oh, I'm going to be a producer. And I've like, 
in the past like made beats or whatever but it's not I, I wouldn't advertise that because don't come to me <laughs> like, <laughs> I might got a little guitar riff for you real quick but um just seeing her as a woman in that position that really like inspired me like Missy Elliott is a legend and that was like I, looking at that album because I had that at that time as a CD like looking at everything that their whole click Timbaland Genuine Tweet like they just came together and made something unique and special. So, yeah. So, okay. So when you were trying to figure out what to be in music and being a producer didn't work out, what were your other thoughts that you wanted to be? Um, I didn't, I didn't really say like, oh, I want to be an artist. Maybe, maybe it was like six or seven years ago. Cause I got tired. I always knew I, I still want to like writing is like my number one. But I got to, like as a writer, you're waiting for placements. You're waiting for music to be released. But as an artist, like I can put out there whenever I want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, it was just it was just trying to figure out like knowing that music is like my love, but trying to figure out where I fit in in that. So how did you? So how did you navigate to being an artist? Um, yeah, I just got tired of, like, waiting around, like, for people to like what I did. You know what I mean? Like, um, I've, I've written for, like, people here and there. Um, Taryn Manning, um, she was on Orange is New Black. Um, this kid, Kenny Arujo, he was, uh, he was on one of the episodes of The Voice. Um, but it's still a waiting game. Like, I want to say Lady Gaga's Poker Face, I think the writer wrote it, like, four or five years prior. And finally it got, like, placed. Um, so I just, I got tired of waiting. That was, that was literally it. And, um, I, I was never afraid to be on the stage. Like I had always been on, like in front of audiences, even from like a child in church. Like, I don't know, like anybody who grew up in church, like on Easter and those special holidays, like you're made to recite something Mm -hmm. like you're, you're forced, especially in like the black church. Like they don't care. Oh, I'm nervous. They don't care. You got to get up there and I need to take these pictures. Like, cause you look cute in your little Easter outfit and I don't care. So from church, I was used to being in front of audiences. I played a bunch of instruments in high school. So I always had a concert. Like I played steel drum, trumpet, baritone. Like I, I was in marching band. So it was always in front of somebody. So it wasn't really, um, it was never an issue being on stage. Like, so it was a mixture of like, I don't mind being in front of people and I want to just get this music out here. <laughs> so what does it feel like when fans sit you up? Like people that love listen to all your music. Um, it's a little, it's a little weird. And the only reason it's weird is because I feel like the music that I put out is so personal and it's like, they'll talk to me about it and I'm like, oh dang, I said that. Like, <laughs> Okay, cool. Like, um, but when when people talk to me when I was doing when I was releasing a beautiful mess, I did something called a beautiful week. So every day had like a theme to like gear up to that Friday release. And even now, like I do this thing called make it a good one. It's like a series on my IG, and I basically like share what I'm going through, like whether it's grief or sadness or it's a good day or a bad day. Like I just want people to be able to see like it's not always rosy. You know what I mean? Um, people even responding to my IG stories. Yeah, my mom died. Yeah, my dad died. Like, it makes me feel like hopefully I'm putting something positive out there. Like, to let people know, like, you're not alone. Um, so that, that feels good. But there are moments that it feels weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so your last song, Purpose. 
And that's one of your songs off of your EP. Yes. Let's talk about this one. This one is about realization and strength. Realization of what? Okay. Um, this song is very unique because I wrote it in pieces as things were happening. Um, the first verse, the first words are, I'm searching for a sign, a way, a path, or a mustard seed. I need to find some clarity on why this is happening to me. So this is like, I was in Cincinnati, and I was literally watching my grandfather die. Um, and just to, just those last moments, like, um, he's one of the last things he said to me was like, I live my life, and now it's time for you to live yours. Like, it just really really stuck with me so I, I knew initially i have a song from my grandmother who passed away called seashell so when i started writing purpose it was only supposed to be for my grandfather um so i wrote the first verse and i wrote the chorus came home i was stuck with my ex he passed away and the second verse is literally about my ex and it's like trying to figure out the why it's like out of all the things that could have happened like why did this happen and also coming to the realization of like maybe you're not meant to know and being okay with that because it was like i said when he passed there were a lot of things that i found out about him and in a general situation in any other ex that i have if i feel a certain way like let me just go on facebook you can hit him up you can go off i can break yeah. a window you know what i mean like, <laughs> but in this situation i find out all this stuff i can't run up on you and be like why'd you lie to me you know what I mean? So it was also a mixture of like, all right, you're not, you just never going to get an answer from him because it's just physically impossible and you got to be okay with that. So. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, what's, what do you want your legacy to be? Wow. That's a good question. What do I want my legacy to be? Hmm. That I did, I didn't just, I didn't just live life just to live it. I like that my legacy had a purpose, and it's not necessarily. I mean, of course, I want to go as far as I can, but if it's if if I was to say like I changed the lives of at least one person, like okay, it meant something. Like that, my life means something. That my music means something. That it meant something to somebody, and it helped somebody. So do you feel as if you're walking in your purpose? Yes. Yes. And what makes you feel that way? Um, because what was that? Steve Harvey said something about purpose. And it's like, it was, no, it was about talent. It was like something that comes easy, but it just like, it just sort of flows out of you. I think that's what he said. I could be totally butchering that <laughs> but um i feel like i'm walking in, in my purpose because i just feel like music literally flows through me um like for example when i play guitar i can literally feel the vibrations of the notes as i play and it literally puts me in an emotional space like not like not sad but like i can literally feel chills as i play guitar and it's directly because of the notes that i'm playing um I just I just know like I, I feel like I feel like God blessed me to be able to do this for a reason and I, I shouldn't hold it to myself like I need to share it. So throughout this journey throughout the music industry and being an artist what are some things that you learned about yourself? Mm, I learned that I give people the benefit of the doubt too many times. 
And I think what is it? knowing is half the battle. Like some, I feel like this from a cartoon. I don't know, but it's true. Knowing is half the battle. If you know yourself, that if you know that you're gullible, if you know that you have a tendency to do certain things, you can pro- you can stop a few things at the door. So I know that I'm like. I can be extremely nice sometimes, and I'm like, I, I make excuses for people sometimes, and I know that about myself. Mm. And I know to watch myself when I do that, and literally look at the situation a few times like, is this valid? It's not valid. You gotta go. Like, <laughs> So that's, that's something I've learned about myself. <laughs> okay, so before we go, you have to give us your open letter. Okay. Dear black girl, For others, the burden you carry on your shoulders is invisible, as if the struggle didn't exist. But I see it. And though much of the world may not, I see you. You are strength. You are passion. You are love. You are everything they said that you could never be. Count it all joy. The pain will result in growth. Renewal. What you are, if anything, is unstoppable. Signed, I am Chelsea I am. (laughs) 